morning. I'm just going to start our, our uh, sermon off with another word of prayer. Lord, we know that you are a good Father who gives us good gifts. As we open up your word, which you gave us, might we just receive from it. May our lives be changed by it. May our hearts be molded by it, Lord. We just pray all this in your name. Amen. Credentials matter. You're sitting in the dentist office and you're waiting for them to call you back and, and put the drills and, and all the, the water into your mouth. And, and as you look on the wall, you see a, a piece of paper or a couple pieces of paper and on them is written, from yada yada university to uh, doctor so-and-so showing that he is qualified to perform dentistry, right? And, and so now you're sitting there and you breathe a sigh of relief knowing that some, some stranger who doesn't know what he's doing is going to be working on your teeth in the next several minutes. You know that he has the authority, he has the sign of authority that, that shows that he is able to perform the task that he's about to do. Now, this is way different than, okay, so I get a toothache at home, and, you know, I really don't like the dentist, I don't want to go, and so now I'm going to try in some way, shape, or form to fix it for myself. And, you know, I've got my hands in my mouth, and I've got, got my face in the mirror, I'm trying to find out, well, wh which tooth is it? I don't know. That, that piece of paper shows that this man has the authority. I don't have that piece of paper. I do not have the authority to work on my own teeth. I promise. And this is what Paul is telling us in our passage in Colossians today. Not only is Jesus saying he can do what he does, he is backing it up with authority. Turn with me to Colossians. I'm going to be reading from chapter 1. And our verses are going to be uh, verse 15 to verse 23. And it's also conveniently up on the uh, projector. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, 
he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So we're going to learn uh, four major things uh, from what Paul is telling us. He's going to tell us two things about the authority of Christ. Uh, Christ is the firstborn of all creation. That's the first thing. That's verses 15 through 17. Uh, Second, he's going to tell us that Christ is the firstborn from the dead. This is a second piece of authority that he holds. Then he's going to move from talking about authority, and he's going to tell us about occupation. So what does Christ do with his authority? And finally, he's going to show us what does that authority do to us? The first thing that Paul tells us is that Christ is the firstborn of all creation. So if we're looking at at verses 15 through 17, the first thing he tells us is that he is the the image of the invisible God. Do you want to know what God is like? You look at Jesus. This also mimics language found elsewhere in the Bible. So when we hear he is the image of the invisible God, our ears should perk up. And we should think, Genesis 1. So if we turn to Genesis 1, 27. We hear that, and this is him talking, this is Genesis talking about the creation of human beings. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. And uh, the more we read through what Paul has to say here, the more we realize Paul continues to talk about creation. And not just, you know, Jesus created at some point. He's talking about the very beginning. Go back way, way back to Genesis. Paul keeps using this, this language from Genesis to show us exactly what he means by creation. We can also note that he is the image of, of God in a way that Adam was not. So even though he might have have been in the image of God, Paul notes elsewhere that he's a second Adam, a better Adam. And certainly that's something we can we can get from this. The second thing he tells us is that he's the firstborn of all creation. Now this might give you pause. I thought that Jesus has always existed. Why does, why does Paul say that he's the firstborn? Well, Paul is obviously not talking about Jesus being born in some sort of natural way, uh, that there was some point where Jesus didn't exist, and then he was born, and now he exists. That's not what he's trying to say, and that's, that's not what he would affirm elsewhere. What he's trying to do is he's trying to use this language to show us what kind of authority Jesus is. So, We've talked about Jesus being like Adam, but he's not second. Jesus is first. He's the firstborn. If we think about their culture and what being firstborn meant, uh, 
It's the sign of authority. So when dad passes away, who gets the ability to speak for the family? The firstborn son. So when Paul is saying that Christ is the firstborn of all creation, he's not just saying, well, in earthly terms, he's, you know, he's a better son. He's saying, no, not even the land or the oceans can speak before him. He's got authority before anything. And then Paul moves on to another thing. So we've heard that Christ is this firstborn son. He has this authority over creation. And now verse 16, For by him all things were created. So not only is he this firstborn son who has this authority over this stuff, you know, just, you know, just taking over for dad. No, he actually helped create it. So when we think about this Genesis imagery that he's talking about, go way, 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 way back. And Jesus was there. And he was helping create the earth himself. He's not just an authority because someone gives him authority. He's an authority because he created it. And now Paul wants to be very specific about what he has created. You know, some, some people were sitting around saying, well, you know, maybe Christ created some things and not other things. Paul wants to be very, very specific about what Jesus helped create. In heaven and on earth. So we think about this big orb that we're standing on. All of that, he created that. We look up into the sky, see all the heavens, all the planets inside of that. He created that. But wait, not just, not just the things that we see, visible and invisible. So you think, well, maybe, maybe we can talk about the things that we can't see. Did, did Christ make those? Yes, visible and invisible. Also, add a, a side note here. Um, when we go through Colossians more, we're going to see that there are going to be these false teachers that are going to be arising. And, and one of these thing, the things that these false teachers are going to talk about is the spiritual realm. You know, these, these elemental spirits. And Paul is trying to tell them, you know, Jesus has power and authority, not over only what we see, but he has authority also over what we don't see. Finally, he goes and, and, and tells us that whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, Christ has authority over those things. He, he created those things. We can almost see, see these words almost doing double duty. So we can think earthly authority, visible authority, or heavenly authority, invisible authorities, the things we can't see. Paul wants to be very clear that even, even the emperor who would be persecuting them, Jesus has authority over him. And to make things abundantly clear. All things, all things were created through him. But now he adds something more. Not only were they created through him, they were created 
for him. Jesus is an authority in such a way that when he creates the world, it isn't without purpose. When he creates the world, it isn't just because it was a whim, but he has the purpose of it being for him. Verse 17. And he is before all things. He is before all things. He created. It wasn't like, well, the creation happened, Jesus was made. He gets authority over that creation. He is before all of these things. But not only that, and in him all things hold together. Jesus is not the same sort of craftsman that we think of. You know, the craftsman who would make a chair, who, who saws the wood and, and, and makes the detailing and glues it all together just to put it aside or to sell it to someone else or to, you know, to, to let whatever happen to that creation that he's made. Jesus is not like that sort of creator. Jesus is different because he creates something but he doesn't, he doesn't set it aside or sell it to someone else. He continues to hold that same creation he's, he's made together. So with Paul, we can even say now, even now, Christ is holding all things together. That's the kind of authority we're talking about here. Now we're going to move to the second credential that Paul sees. The the firstborn from the dead. Verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. We think about what makes our fingers move, what makes our legs move. The electrical impulses coming from the brain that sits squarely on our shoulders. Paul is using this language to, to tell us that Christ is the very thing that makes the church move. He is the head. He is the captain of the church. Just kind of like Christ is in authority over all creation, he is also the authority over the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in him everything in, in everything, he might be preeminent. So not only is he the one who is head over the church, but, but Paul tells us something different. He says he's the firstborn from the dead. He's got this authority over all those who will be born from the dead after him. In one sense, we're thinking about the timeline of the church Jesus is the very beginning of the church and that he is the one who died and was raised from the dead first and now we follow with him. So not only is he the authority over the church, but he's the very creator of the church. So that in everything, in all creation, in all the church, he might be preeminent. He might be the firstborn, the one with authority. Verse 19. Now if we think about the fact that 
You know, when Paul is writing this, not too long ago, Jesus was walking around and, and he was talking with people and he was working miracles. People knew that this was a man, right? And all of a sudden they're hearing these extraordinary things. You know, Jesus was before creation. He was creating things. He's the head of the church. You know, some people are probably bound to wonder, well, how in the world did this guy, you know, this guy walking around in the Middle East all of a sudden do all these things. We saw him with our own eyes. Verse 19, For in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Jesus wasn't just a really great guy. He wasn't even, you know, a superman. But the fullness, the very fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him. And so now when we hear well, he's at creation, creating the world. We're like, oh, okay, so he has qualities I just could never have. So we've heard that Christ is the authority over creation. Christ is the authority over the church. He does this and is able to do this because he has the fullness of God dwelling in him. What is he going to do with that? What, so we, we go to Jesus' place of employment. We see these credentials. Well, what, what is his work? What's his occupation? That's what Paul tells us next. Verse 20. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is the occupation that Christ is about. This is what Christ is using his authority for. To reconcile to himself all things. Paul is talking to the Colossians and he is painting a picture for them of the future coming. Obviously they're sitting there and they're saying, it just doesn't seem like all things are reconciled yet. It seems like my neighbor hates me because I'm a Christian. It seems like persecution is still happening. But Paul is telling them about the day that is coming. He's telling them about the day where all things will be reconciled through Christ. And again we hear, whether on earth or in heaven. Just so you get a sense of what he means by all things. Again, everything. Whether you're standing on it or looking at it. All things. Ultimately, he tells us how Christ received this, this occupation, making peace by the blood of his cross. Paul doesn't see Christ reconciling power coming from anything else but the very cross on which Jesus died. The moment when it would seem like Christ is the most lowly is the very moment where he receives the ability to reconcile all things to himself. So these people, they're thinking, well, this, this guy was walking around and he was amongst us and he died, but he rose again. And this is exactly how we know that he has the authority he has. Now, Paul has been spelling out the credentials of Christ in his occupation. What is Christ doing? 
but he turns. He, he stops saying, look at Christ, and he turns and he says, and you. And he spells out our credentials, really more of a rap sheet. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. We think about Adam and Eve in the garden getting kicked out, alienated from paradise. We were alienated. We couldn't live with God. We couldn't live in a place where there is peace anymore. Hostile in mind. Not only were we alienated, but we were scheming evil schemes in our head. Think about the first murder. How do you think Cain got those ideas? He was hostile in mind. And we're just the same. We're hostile in mind. We're thinking about, what could I do? And Paul notes, thoughts lead to actions, doing evil deeds. So not only am I thinking about the evil I could do, I'm actually doing the evil that I do. These are our credentials. List is shorter. Nothing really exceptional about us. But here's what Christ has done. Verse 22, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. So Paul tells us that ultimately what Christ is about is reconciling all things to himself, right? But when he talks to us, when he talks to this church in, in Colossae, he's saying now, he has now reconciled us. We are the beginning of the reconciling motion of Jesus to ultimately reconcile all things to himself. And that's what what Paul is trying to tell us. You know, we were doing all these nasty, evil things, but now Christ has reconciled us. And how has he reconciled us? In his body of flesh. Again, the cross alone. The cross is the only way that Christ is going to reconcile anyone to anything. And here's what he's done through that reconciliation. In order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. So once we were alienated, but now... We are sons of the living God. Once we were thinking and and hostile in mind, but now we are blameless. Once we were doing evil deeds, but now we're above reproach. But that's not where Paul stops. You know, we hear that and we think, oh, that sounds great. Thank you, Jesus, for doing that. But Paul wants us to know that the Bible is not just divine fire insurance. It's not about getting your policy and then putting it in your fire safe in the basement 
and just saying, well, you know, I, I've got it just in case it happens. Verse 23, if indeed you continue in the faith. Stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. The promises of reconciliation are only to those who remain in the faith. Paul is talking to the church in Colossae. He knows that these false teachers are going to be coming. And he wants them to know that these promises, this reconciliation in Christ is only for those who continue on. We look at the beginning of the letter. He's applauding them. You know, they've, they've received the gospel. They're, they're growing in the gospel. It's exciting. But he wants to warn them, don't walk away. Don't walk away from the gospel. Because it's the only hope. When you put up a tent, one of the last things you do is you put four pegs in the, in the corners, right? And, and those four pegs are going to keep your tent from blowing away when the wind comes. Steadfast. It is a steadfast tent. What Paul is trying to say is, if you hope to not move from this place of reconciliation that you put your tent on, you better put your pegs in. You better continue on in the faith. The hope of the gospel that you heard. This message was delivered rightly to them. But again, this assault is going to be coming. These false teachers are going to come and assault them with false teaching. They have to be of the same mind that they were in originally. They can't. They can't, well, you know, I, I changed it a little, you know, just because just it, was, it was more palatable for me. I changed it a little because someone, someone convinced me. Well, it's just not how it's going to work. There is no reconciliation for those. And he wants to warn them. Which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of all which I, Paul, became a minister. So if you're wondering which gospel, just ask Paul. He knows. That's the message we're listening to. That's the message Epaphras, this, this missionary to the Colossian church, gave them. So we've learned that, that Christ is the firstborn of all creation. He is the authority over all the created things. We've, we've heard he is the firstborn from the dead, the authority of the church. His occupation is reconciliation, ultimately, of all things. But even now, he's working in his church to reconcile his world. What does that mean to us? I want to talk about four applications that we can see coming from this text. First is, what does it mean for Christ to be the firstborn of all creation in our lives. We live in a world of chaos. Um, we see hurricanes, we see windstorms, we see just a plethora of, of, of mess, earthquakes even. 
Is the way that we live our day-to-day lives showing that we actually think that Jesus is the authority holding it all together? Are we, are we intentionally saying, Jesus, I know whatever is happening here, you are the authority and ultimately you're going to be holding it together? No, just something we need to continue to meditate on. Um, we live in a culture which is very casual about who Jesus is. Um, he's a cool guy. He isn't a reigning king. And so it's a, you know, just part of the spirit of the age. We need to preach against Jesus just being this really nice guy. He's, he is the authority over all creation, and he actually can and does do things about that. Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. He's the head of the church. Do we really, on a, on a day-to-day basis, believe that Jesus is the head of the church? So just thinking about who do we look for when we define success in, in our congregation? What does a successful church look like? Are we looking outside saying, you know, this, this business model, this is what success looks like. This number of people, this is what success looks like. You know, this, this style of sanctuary, this is what success looks like. Or is it ultimately aimed at what Jesus wants for us? Are we saying, Jesus, what do you want from us as a church? You know, there, there are so many other ways to to try gaining success and look respectable in the world. And, and at this moment, Jesus isn't one of them. And so, are we really conferring with him when we think about what success looks like for a congregation? Or even, more personally, our families. So, when we think about what is our family going to be about? Who are we turning to for an authority? Is Jesus that authority? Jesus' occupation is about reconciling all things. Right? Ultimately, all things will be reconciled to him through the cross. This is kind of a, a double application. Are we really about the reconciliation that Jesus brought? Have we really accepted the fact that Jesus is about making peace? You know, when, when you're in a traffic jam... Are you yelling obscenities at the guy in the car next to you? Are you you showing the peace of the gospel? Are you still unreconciled? Are we preaching the gospel? That's the other thing. So if if Christ is the only way, the, the blood of his cross, the only way through Christ to reconcile all things, do we really believe that on a, on a, a weekly, daily basis? If, if I preach the gospel to people and they accept it, that the world is actually going to be a better place, ultimately? Do we, do we actually believe that? It's something we can say. Finally, 
You know, Paul is talking about if you continue in the faith. Uh, the book of Hebrews likens the Christian faith to a race, you know, to a marathon. If you ever think about running a marathon, you could sprint the first mile and stop and not finish. Or you could, you could continue to, to work hard, pace yourself, and finish the race ahead. And Paul is saying, continue on. There's, you know, now that we've received Christ, are we just stopping and saying, well, I'm done. It's over. I've reached the finish line when it's miles and miles ahead. Um, One thing I've heard from uh, older saints has been the desire to finish well. Do we really desire to finish well? Even, you know, me my late 20s, my looking and saying, how am I going to finish? Do I really desire to finish well? You know, do we have those tent pegs so that we don't lose the gospel? And part of this is, you know, we, we hear so many opinions from other people who aren't Christians on a daily basis. We just need to anchor ourselves in the word of God. What is his gospel? You know, I read the gospel once a month and I, by the end of that month I've heard a gazillion other opinions other than the gospel. It's going to be very difficult if I don't refresh myself constantly in this word to try to combat all of that. So in the end, Paul is, is telling us Jesus is not just some nice guy who's you know, he doesn't have any credentials, but he'll try his best. He's telling us that he is this authority over all creation, this authority over all the church, ultimately going to reconcile all things. If you want to see some credentials, Paul has them for you, and he is going to finish what he has started. So as we think about the work that Christ is doing Ultimately, we think about the work that Christ is doing in us currently. Let's just continue to remember that he is able to do this work. Pray with me. Jesus, might we not lose sight of your power and majesty, your authority, and ultimately your aim bringing all things to yourself. Lord, just just pray for grace in the struggle uh, to remain steadfast. We just pray that you would uh, protect us from the evil one uh, and give us strength for, for our days, weeks, and ultimately to the very end of the race. We just pray all this in your name. Amen.